Well, 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 and we are live. Well, recorded uh, from you know my humble abode. And uh, for those of you who don't already know, it's me, Nabil, aka Big Bad Billy, aka Big Nabs, aka Why does he always bring race into everything? aka Nabil Abdul Rashid. And I'm joined by my magic assistant. Magic assistant. Um, yeah, so this is Salim Qasim. I don't have any AKAs, unfortunately. So nah, man. We'll, we'll nah. just go with your favorite. The editor, the editor in, in chief of the, the head honcho, <laughs> the Shook Knight of Muslim media. <laughs> I'm not going to repeat what you referred to me as last time, but someone actually messaged me with, with that epithet um, on WhatsApp. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. That's so what it's here for. The AKAs that you bring into life. this are gonna are gonna start creeping into my life somehow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got many. Everyone, if you want to hear the rest of his AKAs, holler at me, man. Um, so yeah, um, we're back uh, after our what? Well, officially second episode. Yeah. As you know, it's it's like Nas. There are some lost tapes, uh, which we might release one day. Uh, but yeah, episode two. It's um, thank you, big. Uh, thank you to everyone that has supported it and also to everyone that didn't like it but shared it to complain because you guys still boosted the views um so yeah it's it's been it's been good we've had a lot of responses from it obviously yeah um a lot majority of it has been very very positive uh i've been inundated with people you know that you know felt helped by the podcast so and i'm humbled by some of the responses actually um, but like, as with all things, I'm paying more attention to the bad reviews. You love it. Even like I, I, we, we've shared some responses that we've both had uh, with each other on mm. WhatsApp. And the good stuff, you're like, oh, yeah, alhamdulillah, that's great. And then the bad stuff, you, you send me like 10 minute rant voice notes and... and, and They're not rants. Stop projecting. I'm not, it's not They're projecting. not rants. Okay, fine. You send, rants, me, you send okay. me uh, voice notes. Responses. You, responses in, a, in, a, in an angry tone. That my toad isn't angry at all. You've never seen me angry. I, th- oh. uh, maybe. You've never seen me angry. I can't talk when I'm angry. Wow. Yeah, I, I, it's just a thing. Since I was a kid, uh, when, when I really like, cause you know, I, I stammer. I stammered as a child, um, and it only comes back when I get really, really irate. Uh, at which point, I can't talk properly anymore. So you definitely have not spoken to me while I'm angry. Fair enough. I've been passionate, right? Okay, passionate. There's nothing wrong with pa- a bit of passionate then. Um, but no, passionate I, 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 I responses. Think, I think from from my own perspective, um, you know, I, I've I've been uh, recording podcasts for like the last two or three years, um, and, and obviously I'll get responses and people will message me and be like, "Oh, that was really interesting," and people will have feedback. But this is, I think, by far been the one podcast, the second episode that we recorded, where th- there was a, a barrage of of feedback, both positive negative inquisitive and and i think obviously it's it's, it's very topical talking about i this get stuff room right service now. here bro you need to level up <laughs> i've got my own water here don't worry man i'm ready um but yeah it, it's been it's been very interesting and i think like alhamdulillah one of the big things for me is that we, we've been able to start conversations um, yeah and a lot of things that have happened right now with the black lives matter movement what's happening in america george floyd everything that we were discussing and just generally has become a part of of general conversations in households and people checking their own privilege and assessing this and what i've seen which has been really positive for me is that our conversation last time out has been used as like one part of the conversation which is what we wanted this to be 
Absolutely, you know, and, and I'm very humbled and honored, and I know that it's not by our talent or whatever alone, but by Allah's grace and by the open-minded nature of, of the community at large, not just the Muslim community, the wider community as well. Yeah. Um, the response to this has been beautiful. And, you know, I even appreciate the people that disagree with me because they help me prove my point. And um, also, I wonder if you guys have this tradition, obviously, because, you know, I'm Sunni or Shia, but we have a tradition. Uh, we have a, a hadith mentions the angel uh, Jibril approaching Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, sitting down with him. But he came in the form of a man. So everyone else, they didn't realize that he was a man, they, they, that he was an angel. But it was just strange because his garment was not stained by sand. As you know, riding in the Arabian desert, it was impossible to keep clean white garments. And um, he sat down and he spoke to our prophet, peace of blessings be upon him, and asked him a bunch of questions about faith. Questions that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam already knew the answer to, but he answered anyway for the benefit of everyone listening. So, um, because this is one of my favorite stories of our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, uh, again, I'm not sure if you guys have the same story. Uh, do you? Uh, I'm not sure. You're testing me on my Islamic knowledge now. It's, uh, it's, it's like wheat <laughs> so, point <in> point. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, we do share a, a lot. So let's. I don't know. But be, in 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 that that kind of inspired me to want to do. This, because I mean, you've had some interesting uh, responses, as have I. Yeah. And while um, I already, I'm sure you and I both already know the, the answers to these questions, let's say they're questions, it's important for everyone. We can't assume everybody listening knows. I think, um, yes. And it, just to, to kind of be clear, um, I'm, I'm going to, so, so we, we, we've listed down a bunch of responses to the podcast, uh, Black Lives Matter, to this whole conversation. Um, mm -hmm. and, and my role today is going to be to play devil's advocate a little bit. So I just want to be clear that the views that I'm, I'm expressing, <laughs> the views that I'm expressing are not necessarily my own. Um, most probably are not going to be my own, um, based on the list that I'm looking at in front of me, but I, I'm, I'm trying to provide a bit of space so that, that, that conversation that we're seeing played out in a very angry way on social media can be had, I think in a positive, constructive way where we're actually, let's pick apart some of these arguments and 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 come to like a common understanding and a positive way forward um yeah 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 that sounds great so uh you should know we, we uh, I'm, yeah i'm ready to start counter punching but nabil all lives matter Woo, that's that's <laughs> probably jump jump right in <laughs> did, did i did i say i was gonna be nice about okay all lives matter again it's, it's such a that, that, that's it. I disagree with that statement when it's used like in theory all lives matter absolutely but I've got two children right I've got two children if one child falls down and hurts their head and is bleeding I'm going to attend to that child if that child if I if I go to a school and there's a bunch of children you know I'm a teacher and one child is constantly being bullied every day then my attention is like this child's well-being matters now, if you are a parent and your child is being bullied and you say to a teacher, my child's well-being, physical and mental matters, how would you feel if I say, well, all the children's well-being matters? You know, it's, it's in, a, in a way, it's, it's just a response to silence you. Um, you know, people use the analogy of a house, a house burning down. and like, no, we need to save that house. Well, we need to save all the houses. And it's only one house that's being burnt down. Yeah. You know? 
So, and, and most importantly, this is someone actually trying to argue with me on my Facebook. Um, I don't know why these people never learn. But this person came and said how, yeah, all lives matter is more inclusive. And I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, if your father was dying from cancer and he was in his deathbed and you needed to raise money to pay for his treatment. And you said, please, you know, cancer patients need need treatment. Please help me raise money for treatment. And someone comes and says, oh, why are you just raising money for cancer, though? All diseases matter. What about diabetes? What about glau- glaucoma? What about chlamydia and gonorrhea? You'd be offended. So it's the same thing when we say black lives matter. We're saying black lives matter because right now black people worldwide are the most persecuted group of people. And I can provide statistics, history, and current events to prove it. Just in America and the West alone, right? I'm 36 times more likely to be arrested, stopped, and searched by police. I'm like 200 times more likely to be killed in police custody. And while Asians are also um, victims of systemic racism and so on, I'm still three times more likely to suffer these things than a South Asian across the board. So clearly, while we're all suffering, my situation is the worst, right? Now, if you deal with my situation, everybody else's situation gets better. And that has been the case historically with other things when it comes to um, systemic racism. When you deal with the worst of it, it gets better. In fact, even the nature in which our religion was released, you know, Allah dealt with the people worst hit by a problem first, right? You know, the, the, the Quran was sent to, to the Arabs because at that time they were the worst of people. They had, they buried their daughters. They did all these things. So they got sent the last message. And each time Allah sent a warner, he sent it to the people who needed it the most. So I don't understand how any person of any faith can have a problem with Black Lives Matter because all we're saying is, in fact, Islamically, so excuse me. So here I have so you a You came prepared right? today. Yeah. So as you can see, the virtues of the blacks and Abyssinians is uh, illuminating the darkness. My friend Habib Akande uh, released a book of the same title. Shout out to him. Um, this is my uh, signed copy because I sat on a panel when this book was first published and released. So I'm just going to show off. But yeah, mine is signed. So the, that was based on this book, right? And, you know, the, 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 the Honorable um, Abu Faraj Ibn al Ibn Al-Jawzi, right? He was knowledgeable. He was, a, he, was a, he, was a, he was a sheikh of his time. And he saw that there was a lot of discrimination going towards people of African descent in the Arabian uh, Gulf at the time. So he saw it as incumbent to release a book talking about the virtues of black people. Now, someone can say all virtues, all people are virtuous, there's good. But because black people were the ones that were being persecuted the most, even back then, he saw it as necessary to make that book. And there is no refutation of him from anybody called the virtues of everybody. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how much more simply I can I can put this across but you help the people who are worst hit. And at the end of the day, other people aren't being treated like their lives don't matter. They're not. Black people in America, in England, in Germany, in Holland, across the world are being treated like their lives don't matter. Even in Iran, even in Iraq, even in Turkey, black people are the ones who are being singled out. 
So therefore, it is important to make people understand that the lives of those people that you're treating badly actually matter. In England now, there's not been one single arrest for a police officer killing somebody uh, in, in custody. And the majority of the people who were killed in custody have been black. So we have to teach people that black lives Oh, sorry, ma- matter. Just was <laughs> checking to see if you were listening. I'm, I'm alive. I'm alive. Um, <laughs> so, I think what's what's interesting is that that's that's been one uh, response generally to to this whole um, situation at the moment, and then the kind of the level two of that is talking about Palestine and Syria, um, and because you mentioned just now about you know the people who are worst affected and who have it the, the worst. We need to care about those people. So when we're thinking about right now the oppression that black people are facing in America, uh, let's also consider the fact that for the last 10 plus years or nine years in Syria, there's been a humanitarian crisis and there's so much oppression going on in the world. Like, how can we forget about them at a time like this? How can we turn the attention away from their suffering and not appreciate the struggle that they're going through? Yeah, again, you know, it's funny when people say this because people who say this tend to be people that don't do anything. So I put up a post on my um, Instagram and it, I don't like to toot my own horn, but I felt it necessary to do this because I get a lot of messages saying, oh, why do you only talk about black struggle? So I put up various posts. And in fact, his, me personally, the majority of charitable efforts I've been involved in have been for people in the Middle East, South Asia. And when it's been Africa, it's primarily been East Africa. Majority, I've... You know, last year I was a part of a comedy tour that helped raise about two or three million for Syria and Palestine. I've done more than 300 different types of fundraising events, including a march for Syria through central London where I spoke. Right. So, you know, I I don't understand why it's only when black people decide to do something for themselves that everybody starts to remember these these things. Even in Palestine, there are Black Lives Matter factions because there are black people in Palestine who mm. suffer anti-blackness. I don't right? know if it was. And, I don't know if it was you that shared it, but I, I saw a, like a mural on a wall in uh, Idlib in Syria. Yeah, for George yeah, I've Floyd. shared it, and a few people have. Yeah, you know. And then even before that, Flint and whatnot, Palestinians marched. And then also in America, Black Lives Matter, the organization, consistently raises funds for Palestine. Anywhere you go across the world, where there are pro-black movements, they are in solidarity with. Palestine, for example, um, there's a man who I really like, a politician in South Africa called Julius Malema. Now, Julius Malema is a Pan-Africanist, but in every public appearance, he wears a Palestinian kefir. But he talks about black liberation. And, you know, I don't even think we have to do that, but that's just an example of what we're doing. And I think that the people who are in struggle and the people who are actually dealing with oppression understand this, right? Because if the Palestinians who you're saying, what about Palestine? The Palestinians themselves get it. Then why are you complaining? You know, the Palestinians don't gain anything from you heckling us for talking about Palestine. And the majority of the people you see who are out there campaigning for Black Lives Matter also campaign for Palestine, myself included. Um, And also, if you want to talk about who's been dying longer and whatnot, then that in itself, your Palestinian issue. Okay, how long has how long would you say officially that this has been going on for? Um, I don't know. In Palestine, specifically? Specifically, Palestine. 50, 60 years? 60 years. And how long have the issues in Syria been going on for? Uh, well, specifically nine years, like the current crisis. Nine years. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, black people have been persecuted now for going on about 500 years, five, 600 years, over a thousand. If you, if you count the, the, the stuff before that, that was done by Arabs and, and what the, you know, and, and what people like the Greeks and the Romans, you know, it's, it's been going on longer than any other person's struggle. If you want to talk about numbers of people that are dead, you know what I mean? The, the estimates of people who are Africans that were tossed into the sea mm. is at about 10 million. Just tossed into the sea. Let's not talk about then. There's no estimate for how many people were killed fighting off Europeans when they came into Africa because the, um, the Vatican said the Africans were to be classed as flora and fauna, which means we were to be classed as animals and plants because to the Catholics, we had no souls. So therefore there was no sin in killing Africans. There's no, you know, nobody ever talks about what the Germans did in Namibia before World War II even began. That in itself, even if we just count from there, that's millions. King Leopold killed about 10 million. Cecil Rhodes killed more than 30 million, right? So, and that's when they started counting. It's, they only started counting towards colonialism times, slavery times. They weren't counting how many of us died. Then we want to talk about America alone, just within America. That's a, a good 400 years of oppression in America because they, they, you know, the police, the lynchings, the police, the KKK, all these things have been happening continuously. Then on top of that, remember that African Americans do not have a state. The state itself never recognized African Americans as citizens in that country. One. Two, African Americans do not have intergenerational wealth because African Americans were stopped from being able to read. They were stopped from being able to own property. You know that Europe is, is still paying out money, still paying out money to the families of people who sold slaves. That includes England. Many of our rulers today come from families that made money off of slavery. So the system that we live in right now was built off the black, the, the, the black plight. So when people try and make one struggle to be more important than the other, tell me 10 years or 50 years versus 400 years, 500 years, even 700 years of continuous persecution, what is worse? Um, if you want to just go by modern conflicts alone, in Sudan, 2 million black people were wiped out. And there's not, you know, more people died on average in a year in Sudan at one point than within five to six years in Palestine when the um, conflict was at its worst. So when we talk about statistics, it's, there's still no excuse to silence black people when we say black lives matter. It's, it's unethical. It's, it's intellectually dishonest. And even in the countries that people are mentioning, black people are not treated well. So, you know, I, I, I just don't understand how anybody who reads, who studies, or, or is genuine can say these things. And um, just to further point out, there is no charitable group called All Lives Matter. Even white victims of, of um, police brutality go to Black Lives Matter to get help, legal representation and funding, including the girl that just got killed recently by being pepper sprayed. All Lives Matter are not sharing her, her picture. Blue Lives Matter are not sharing her picture. It's Black Lives Matter activists that are sharing her picture. Jean-Charles de Benezes was not a black man. He was actually Afro, well, he was Brazilian, you know, and he was a Morena as they classed it. So people wouldn't class him as black. But still, Black Lives Matter are helping him. Black Lives Matter are also fighting for the lives, uh, for, 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 um, the justice for a lot of Asians who have died in police custody as well. So there you go. Um, th this is the last one I think that's kind of more Muslim focused. And this is one that I've seen mm. quite a lot actually. And, and it's okay. people talking about, uh, the fact that racism doesn't exist in Islam. And, and we have a notion. <laughs> And uh, and that we have 
an ocean of of one ummah and and, and that. But you know, you know the thing is, you laugh, you laugh. But but I I see this, and I see people, I, I see people taking this stance quite ardently, and like really, really trying to be like, this is this is this is where they stand. It's like, oh, but we are all one. There is no difference between us. The prophet never Bro, differentiated between us. This is a common problem with people. Um, a lot of people that stick their head in the sand, right? People like to pretend that what is supposed to be is what is. For example, there is no fornication in Islam. There is no murder in Islam. There is no armed robbery in Islam. There is no rape in Islam. But what do we see happening across the globe? Just because something is haram does not mean Muslims are not guilty of it. If by being a Muslim, automatically you no longer did bad things, there will be no need for khutbahs on Friday because everybody's already perfect. So, and we understand this because if I, these guys are saying there's no, um, there's no racism in Islam, so don't talk about, you know, race because we are all one. Mm. That, that's insane because there's, if I broke into their house and slapped them around and took their stuff and they're like, brother, brother, you're robbing me. I'm like, no, there's no robbery in Islam. If there's no robbery in Islam, then we wouldn't have, you know, the, all the Khilafah that we've had, all, all the caliphates that we've had, there have been, in all the Khilafah, there have been a legal um, a, a team. There's, there's always been people that have brought some semblance of law. There's always been a concept of law. Why? Because even Muslims break the law muslims are told to pray for forgiveness for sins because we sin i i think i think what what i've seen articulated is that people are also referring to the fact that in islam we don't see um race as being differentiated so so focusing focusing on a black cause is is non-islamic if you know what i mean um that's that, that's the, that, the perspective that, that again is very intellectually dishonest because if we pretend that there's no race then how do we distinguish the group of people that are being singled out and treated badly because they're a different color i mean that's like saying there's fair, no gender to be fair the quran itself says we've made you into nations and tribes it, so nations and tri- that's the next that, that's that's the next point i wanted to make yeah so it's like you know are, do they know better than allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do they know better than him? People, like another thing I hear is there's no race in Islam. That's nonsense. There is race in Islam. Allah created me the color I am for a reason, and you the color you are for a reason. So if you say that these things don't exist, then you're insulting Allah. We of course the, the even the Sahaba and whatnot when they rode into battle they would carry flags saying what tribe they were from. You know we read books now about people that existed during the time of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And you know, Bilal ibn Rabah is one title he's given. They also call him Bilal al-Habashi because of where he was from. Uh, Salman al-Farsi, the Persian, right? We, 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 they, these people st- still identify, but you know, they, they identified themselves by where they were from, what culture. Also, we have traditions where the Prophet Muhammad wasallam was asked to describe certain people. And, and during the, after the journey to, he made al-Miraj into the heavens and came back, they asked him, what did Musa look like and he said he was black that's something that a lot of people love to you know and that's why it's so annoying whenever people turn around and say things like oh but brother Bilal was black you know because I find that the only time that people see, seem to feel comfortable associating a race or ethnicity with anybody right especially if them being black is when they talk about Bilal and they always mention the fact that he was a slave they always mention the fact that Bilal he wasn't the only member of the Sahaba that used to be a slave but somehow that has become his title, Bilal the slave. 
And Bilal was the first black Muslim. No, he wasn't. There are black people mentioned in the Quran. The only um, marriage mentioned in the Quran is between a black person and a non-black person. Let's not get into that. But the fact is, Musa was black. Luqman was black. People even argue that Adam was black because Adam is another word. It's another word for black. And it says he was made from the darkest clay. And these are things that non, like, non-black scholars have agreed on. In fact, there are many hadiths that talk about the Arabs, you know, when they used to have their disputes with the Persians. And the Arabs would say that they were proud of their dark skin. And light skin was looked at as something that was a problem. You know, when people read hadith, they don't realize these people, many of them may today have been described as black. They, they lived in the Arabian Peninsula with no sunscreen. So people just feel uncomfortable. When you describe a Sahaba as white, nobody ever turns around and says, oh, there's no race in Islam. They just say, mashallah. Because there's that inherent anti-blackness where they think anything holy and good is white. So nobody ever gets uncomfortable when you mention the skin color of somebody. Like, for example, I see a lot of Shias who have pictures of imams and pictures of Ahlul Bayt and they're kind of drawn to be very light-skinned. Mm. Nobody ever questions whether this is correct or not. But the day I've seen somebody put up a picture of Ali as a black man, <laughs> the word I saw, <laughs> it's hilarious. So going back to the point, when they say there's no race in Islam, that's, that's insane. That's absolutely insane. In many hadiths, we hear them talking about, for example, um, you know, when the Ethiopians... When the Ethiopian, they, they talk about this group of people, the Ethiopians came and did this. Uh, Banu Kureza did that. We have always mentioned people's cultures. Race is not a problem. Racism is the problem. And again, if we do not see race, then should we not see gender too? So are we just, a, you know, where does this stop? Yeah. Allah created us this way and we need to recognize these things. And also, if race isn't a problem, then the last khutbah that the Prophet Muhammad gave why would he give it? Why would he talk about race? Why would he say no black man is greater than a white man and no white man is greater than a black man and so on and so forth? He wouldn't have said that if we don't recognize race. He knew what was coming. He coming, knew. coming back to the point you made just uh, earlier about the, the Shia imams and, and their depictions. Um, mm. th- there's an interesting, and I think I sent it to you on WhatsApp. There's like yeah, a, a, a that. graph that has the um, ethnic backgrounds of, of, the all the imams. of all the imams. And I think that the the... The last like five or six imams are predominantly African. Um, yep. But as you say, when you try and reconcile that with the artist imagery that exists in yeah. kind of uh, the, the Shia world, the two don't They're all up. light skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they, they and, all seem to have eyeliner on as well. And what's interesting you know? is that the first time that, that uh, I think like a, a researcher actually put together a paper and was talking about the ethnicity of, of who Shias believe to be the 12th imam, um, the uproar that it caused because it was talking about his African heritage and, and the fact that he'll be darker skinned and whatever else, that mm. was very, very telling and is very telling generally when you, when you look at, like, as you say, when, when race is all okay until, until someone's black. Until someone's black, <laughs> you know? And they, I've even seen a t-shirt saying, if, if it doesn't matter what color he was, why do you get mad when I say Jesus was black? It's, it's that thing. And a lot of people don't ever... T- these people always pretend to be intellectual, but they never intellectualize why they feel so uncomfortable when these things are discussed. You know, our religion has been whitewashed very much the same way that Christianity has, but nobody has a problem with it. Nabil. Until it's pointed out. I've, I've, I've got a good one for you. Mm-hmm. 
this is more i think directed at you and, and it's something that we've had had from a few people it's like okay you, you make a good point and and i'm here to listen and i'm listening to this podcast because i want to be educated but why 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 do you speak so harshly like you you're always uh and, and whenever i say that you're aggressive or you're ranting you say that i'm projecting on you and like you always hit back um but 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 why can't you allow people and i think this is probably more from uh, non-black people of color who consider themselves allies in the kind of black struggle. Why most likely South Asian? Why can't why can't you allow us to just like say things nicely, please? <laughs> First of all, the majority of the time when I speak, I speak nicely. But here's the thing: you don't speak nicely to me, though. Yeah, that's because you're on, okay. I can't, I'm not. I'm trying to trying to be nice. This, so okay, good. yeah. What what is is this right? Have you ever seen someone tell uh, people to speak nicely about India when they talk about the problems in Kashmir? You ever no. seen anyone say that? No. You ever seen someone tell people, oh, you know, speak less passionately about Karbala? You ever, you ever heard that? No. No. You ever heard anyone tell Arabs to speak less passionately about uh, Palestine and what happening? What's happened in Lebanon? You ever no. heard that? Okay. But when it's black people, we, we have to... This thing comes... It's called um, tone policing. And it's something that the colonialists themselves have done. Take that bass out your voice, boy. People don't... You know, at the end of the day, when we see injustice, the comfort of the privileged is not important. What is important is the hack of the people who are being discriminated against or the people who are having their hack taken away from them. At the end of the day, if somebody raped your... A family member or killed your family member and you're talking about it and you're upset and you're angry why do you have to watch the way you're saying what you're saying if you're upset and you're angry these things are things that have happened like um and again in our tradition when abu dar had uh, insulted bilal um and he went to the prophet Muhammad, وسلم, the prophet وسلم, berated him so much that he went back crying now, keep in mind, the reason Bilal and Abu Dhar had argued was they had just returned from war. And their war was not our war where you stand with a gun from how many miles away. These guys were up close and personal fighting with swords, right? So these were tough men. But the Prophet Muhammad got so angry and berated him so much that he broke down and cried from words and put his head on the floor and asked for Bilal to step on his head. That's how much he was berated, Right? Now, if that had been today, people are like, oh, brother, subhanAllah, you don't have to shout at him like that. Why can't you speak to him gently? Hold him, hug him, tell him you love him, Habibi. No, this is not the way. This is not the way. There is a time to be harsh and there's a time to be angry. And people have the right to be angry. when it, Because people, what people don't understand is this, right? The people are saying that I should speak nicely about this. Forget that what might just be like a miscellaneous topic of discussion for them is a reality for me. I've got two daughters. I have to worry about what life will be like when they grow. And time flies very fast. I was there, much like, you know, I'm sure you can think about this. I was there the day that my first daughter was born. I was there when she could not breathe and they had to put the pipes and stuff in her to, to resuscitate her and get her to start breathing again. I was there when I wasn't sure she would live or die then, right? And now she's five and she's, you know, singing and running around and playing but that all happens like that the next five years will happen like that and the next five years and before you know it she'll be 19 20 she'll be going to work she might have to interact with the same institutions that i'm scared of now a lot of these people who are talking they don't have to worry the same way about their children as i do 
Because even Muslims, even in the advent of Prevent and Schedule 7 and all these things, people of Middle Eastern and South Asian uh, origins are not brutalized as often as black people are. Now, factor in the fact that my kids are also Muslims and black and they're women, right? You're asking me to be less angry about issues that might affect my children because it doesn't make you comfortable. Make that make sense. And the, the reality is this. These people are all passionate about things that concern them. But because, again, that comes, that shows this is proof why we're not one ummah right now. Because if these people were genuine, if they were not hypocrites, they would feel just as angry as I do about these issues. And I know a great many Asians who are very angry about anti-blackness. And may Allah bless them. I know many Arabs and many white people as well who are very angry. If you look at the demonstrations that happened where that guy's statue got tossed into the water, right? Most of the people there weren't even black. Those were people who are white, Asian, Arab, and whatnot. But they still see the injustice and they're triggered by it. They're angry. So what I will say is that if your spirit does not feel angry when you see what's happening to black people, don't worry about me. You've got a problem. You need to check it. You need to find out why it is you're so indifferent to black plight. But it's, you can't slap somebody and then tell them how to react to being slapped. You, you, you brought up protests, so let, let's also address that. Um, mm -hmm. What's wrong with uh, peacefully protesting? Like, why, why can't people just be peaceful? Because what we've seen is we've seen people on the streets um, and often like after dark and, and in some places like in Bristol, there's like, you know, public damage is taking place and there's monuments that are going down and whatever else. But, but we have a democratic system here. Why can't people just be civilized? and follow the the democracy through and vote out the you know bring in elected officials that are going to represent you and they're going to bring about the change that you want um why why the need for kind of violence and anarchy or is can, can that, you justify violence and anarchy in all of this there's a triangulation of answers for that question first of all the majority of these uh, protests start peacefully however a lot of the time the authorities themselves who are trained to do this will instigate violence as we've seen in many videos where people are hit unprovoked or pepper sprayed unprovoked, which then turns the protest into a fight between police who then retreat and leave people to destroy. We saw it when Mark Duggan uh, was killed. A lot of the time, police will instigate and provoke people into responding a certain way. That way, they can then label everybody thugs. We're going to see it on Saturday because Tommy Robinson has been, um, you know, has claimed that he's going to turn up and cause trouble. And you find the police protecting the white supremacists by attacking. And th these are things that we know. I mean, a lot of people do not seem to clue themselves up on these things. But it's a common tactic for... It's a... Oh, God damn it. Your video is gone. Sorry, somebody just called me. Yeah. It's a common tactic for authorities to intercept and, and, and infiltrate demonstrations and cause confusion and violence. You know, it's been done many times and many police officers have admitted to doing it and it's been caught on tape, one. Two, once again, if somebody's being bullied, being picked on, like, I don't think people understand. They talk about using the system, uh, you know, to deal with these issues peacefully. We don't riot every single day. We're petitioning, you know, Sheku Bayo's parents did not riot. Mark Duggan's parents, you know, it, it, it wasn't violent straight away. It's when you see police corruption. Did Stephen Lawrence's parents go out and, uh, and riot? These things have been happening for decades and nothing has been done. And black people have exhausted every single ounce of effort. They've done everything and the system has continued to fail us. 
And while the system is failing us, while we're waiting for elections, people are being killed. People are being arrested and thrown on the floor and then police are not being brought to justice. It's a 100% probability that if a police officer kills me, they will not go to prison for it. Now, you or whoever it is, I mean, not you specifically, but whoever it is that asked that question, they've probably never experienced police brutality before. They probably don't know what it's like to get stopped by police six times in a day. I want to say this to all my Middle Eastern people who are listening and watching and all my Asian people listening and watching who have beards and wear hijab. You know the way you guys feel when you go to an airport and you're passing through security. You know how you feel? That's how black people feel all the time when we step out of our homes. It's tension everywhere. You know, you're 76 times less likely to get a job if you have a Nigerian name on your CV, regardless of your qualifications. So like we don't rest. Everywhere we go, we're being abused, we're being followed, we're being suspected, we're suffering microaggressions. We're dealing, it's frustrating. You cannot expect somebody to be provoked at, in every sector of their life continuously and not eventually lose their temper when prodded. It's just not. And also, protests where you're, um, you're, you're speaking out against the law, don't you think it's, it's a bit um, strange you're telling somebody how to lash out against the system that they're trying to change. And you're telling them that they have to res respond within the confines of that system. How long have we been applying for people to take down statues of Cecil Rhodes? How long have we been applying and, and signing petitions for all these statues to be taken down? Why are there still statues up? Why are there still statues up of people who sold slaves? That's in the, when Saddam Hussein's statue was toppled, why didn't these same people complain? And say that it should have been done democratically. Why, why, why is it that again, when it's when it comes to black problems, people mm. expect us to be calm? That's the question that I keep on asking. You know, um, with, with, with the statue in Bristol, I, I I was reading up about it the other day, and I thought what was quite worrying but also interesting is that there was like a huge petition that went round to to have the the statue removed, and I think mm -hmm. the action the council decided to take was to have a plaque up next to it that mentioned his role in slave trade and, and how he benefited from it and everything else and to you know give a more holistic picture of this individual which in itself kind of worries me a little bit that you would still have the statue up and just preface it with that but exactly no but but you know what's even funny is that in in i think early 2018 it was meant to happen but it all stalled because of the wording of the plaque and no action has been taken between then and now um and it, it, it just it yeah. just fell into like bureaucracy so it's it's interesting because I, I also find it like when it comes to these issues and I, I always think back to the Iraq war um, and, and I was there as a kid on the streets in what 2001, two, I can't remember when it was exactly, two million people, mm. two million people marched on the streets and, and we said, you know what, the government, I remember, I remember going home and like my family were like the government can't ignore us, we're high-fiving each other and what did the government do? They invaded Iraq. Look where we are now. And look there you where go. we are now. So it's... Yeah, I, I mean, I remember I, that historically, historically as well, yeah. no revolution has ever been peaceful. None. Even when there has been somebody who's a figurehead representing peace, it was mm. always to the backdrop of aggression. So, for example, Martin Luther King, that people like to quote, right? People forget that Malcolm X, the Black Panthers, and all of that were about carrying guns and things like that. There had to be a Nat Turner, all these people, Sam Sharp in Jamaica, the Nanny and the Kujo. The reason people always talk about how slavery stopped because of William Wilberforce. No, it was because Jamaicans started burning down plantations, 
saying we are not doing this anymore. Same with Brazil. It was the Quilombos who were flipping, raiding, setting slaves free. The same thing with, with Haiti, Tuvertra and them, Levertra, these, these people, Dutty Bookman, you know, again, uprisings. That is what makes these people stop. All that marching, all that begging doesn't make people stop. Right now, the best way to do it, we, we boycott the companies that, 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 that benefit from slavery. And we boycott companies that have a racist history. You know, that's what you do. You stop buying Gucci, stop buying Coca-Cola, hit their pockets, tear down those statues if you must. You don't ask somebody nicely because they're not going to listen. They're not going to listen. The only time people listen when you ask nicely is when they know that you have the potential to do things not nicely. So, you know, and even though history loves to celebrate the pacifists, in the background, there were always people who were not, who were not passive. And I think it's funny, like a lot of the people saying these things uh, are people who come from countries that were born out of bloody revolution. How did India, Pakistan and Bangladesh come to be? You know, how did these countries come into existence? How did Malaysia get its freedom? You know, nobody ever asked politely. Nobody ever asked politely. I'm not saying go out and, uh, and, and start bloodshed. But what I'm saying is you cannot expect people who have been tortured, murdered and given no justice to just magically calm down and follow a system that was not designed. The system was designed before we go here. So obviously, it's not designed in our favor. Women could not vote in this country for a long time. It was only when the suffragettes took to the streets and started protesting. And the suffragettes, Edith Garrett had to train the suffragettes in jujitsu so that they could fight the police. They had to learn. There, there, was a, there, was, um, there was a branch of the suffragettes known as bodyguard. And these were people who trained with uh, Edith Garrett and her husband, and obviously, obviously people like W.E. Barton, who owned the school, Sir South Conan Doyle liked him so much, he made his martial art, the, the, the official martial art for Sherlock Holmes. But these people at that point in time were using Indian clubs to build strength and learning jujitsu because they knew that when they went to protest, police would be heavy handed. So they had to fight police. Right. So they would knock out and beat up police and they fought until women were able to vote. That's how the change came. It wasn't because people just asked nicely and it happened. Um, so can, I think can, can people I, like this need to learn history. Can, can I come back to, so you, when you mentioned, um, you know, Muslims, general Muslims experiences in the airport, you liken that mm. to the black experience on the streets or just anywhere? Everywhere. As soon as I leave my house. So one, um, one response that we had, um, which I thought was interesting, was that you tend to, see, or, or you seem to be reading race into everything. Um, and, and that like, so, so when you start listing off stats, I get it. And it's like, for example, I know, for example, as a Muslim in an airport, I'm statistically, I'm sure, more likely to be stopped and questioned. And I've had all of those things happen to me. But mm -hmm. I guess what people are saying is that you can't live your life in, in, in paranoia and fear. And you just got to you just got to do your thing. The people that say that tend not to be black, though. Most probably. But, but well, I, I think the, my point I, I think is the when they say don't live... No, so I, I think what they're, what they're trying to say is that, like, you, you can't... So, for example, if I see myself as Muslim or as bearded and brown and whatever in everything that mm -hmm. I do, then I'm, I'm almost limiting my own existence to that. Do you know what I mean? So if I, if I think I that everyone's going to see me... Sorry, sorry to cut you off. But if, if I yeah. see that everyone's always going to see me as this six foot two brown guy with a beard, 
and I, I, I kind of project that on everyone that that's how they're reading me rather than as like a whatever it is in particular context that I'm in, then that's all I'm going to see. Bro, like, again, all this stuff is the sort of thing that people who are privileged and have too much time will say. Um, the reality is this, right? If the EDL are marching tomorrow and you walk past them, but you just imagine in your heart that you're blonde and blue-eyed, do you think they're still not going to rush you? Do you think if police stop me tomorrow and try to harass me, if I just imagine in my head that I'm a Filipino woman, they'll leave me alone? Like, this is the thing. When, when we discuss, I like discussing with realists because idealists are people who have too much time on their hands and too much privilege. And the funny thing is these same idealists tomorrow, when they suffer racism, they cry harder than everybody else. So if, you're, you know, are you saying that Stephen Lawrence, who was a teenage boy, brought it on himself when he was murdered? If we apply the same logic, so that means you're saying that women who are victims of sexual harassment and rape, it's because they see themselves as women and more vulnerable. That's why these things happen. Having a, a positive attitude, like, I'm going to use myself as an example, right? I've, I live an amazing life. Like, I've got, you know, I've, I've, I've got... I do for a living something that I love and I'm recognized as good at it. I've got exposure from it. I travel the world and the country doing what I do. And whatnot. But at the end of the day, it doesn't take long for the world to remind me that I'm black. I get reminded when I walk into a shop. I walk in and I'm wearing nice clothes and I still get followed around by security because they think I'm going to steal. What do you think is they saw in me that will make them think that I'm going to steal? I go in and I want to purchase a house. I want I to I I find out about the pricing of a house in a, in a, not far from where I live. And I walk in and they look at me funny and I start asking me a whole bunch of questions that really and truly are unneeded. Why? Why do they assume that I can't afford what it is I've come to buy? I get stopped by police more often than any of my friends. You want to tell me that I'm supposed to just, oh, maybe it's because my chakras aren't open? What are these people talking about? There's parts of the world where death scores have been formed and they're going to certain villages. In fact, let me be specific. Sudan, a specific, the Janjaweed, their mission was to wipe out what they classed as black Sudanese people, right? That's what they did. So could those Sudanese people have avoided brutal death? Sorry, my daughter's in there. Could those black Sudanese people have avoided brutal deaths that they suffered at the hands of the Janjaweed simply by not seeing themselves as black? If somebody is out there to destroy you for being black, it doesn't matter how you see yourself. And remember, my older brother was in the armed police for seven years. He left because of the racism that he saw. And my older brother is mixed race, so he doesn't actually look black. He looks more like you than me because my father's first wife was Afghan. Yeah, but even he saw it when within the police system. So these people that talk about, oh, if you see yourself in this parameter, that's absolute nonsense because that's the same thing a lot of non-Muslims say when they talk about Islamophobia. These people are regurgitating the, the um, responses that they've learned from our colonizers. You know? I'm just I'm looking I'm, at the, I'm looking at the list and, and deciding what to, what, what to hit you with next. Um... Uh, let's let's get it personal, Nabil. Um, you, oh, you, I love it. When it's personal. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be good. You, I love it. You've uh, you've said some very mean things in the past, um, and and I think what's been interesting is I've seen a lot of Who, responses. Me? Yes, you unfortunately. 
um, a lot of responses or some responses from some at times faceless trolls, but also people have put their name to it as well, have uh, screenshotted things that you've said in the past that have um, appeared to be racist um, towards other races, namely South Asian people such as myself. Um, and so how, how, like, how, not how dare you, but yeah, flip it. How, how dare you um, come out and talk about uh, the black struggle and, and, and we need to defeat racism when, when you are a bigot and a racist yourself, Nabil? Oh, is that you talking or is that... No, 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 no. I'm, I'm still, I'm still playing the part. Because that's you talking, I'm, I'm we can sort out with the cameras. I'm still playing the part, don't worry. I know. <laughs> uh, what I'm saying is that um, let's assume I am a racist. I'm not, but let's assume I am. I have, no, I have no interest in proving that I'm not. Even if I am a racist, you still cannot refute anything I've said. And I'm one person. The racism I'm speaking of is systemic, endured, and historic. And by far, it is not one-sided. So let's assume I'm one mean guy that says a bunch of mean stuff online. That still does not take away from everything we've discussed on this program, from deaths to systemic deprivation, economic deprivation, religious exclusion, and the gaslighting of one community. It still does not take away from any of the points that I've raised. I'm one person. I'm not even 1% of black people. Whereas the things I'm talking about, numbering the millions or at least the hundreds of thousands, and it's uniform across the globe that black people are, are flipping uh, persecuted more heavily than anyone else, including by other people of color. So, in fact, if I am a racist, which I am not, people who are like me are inevitable because of the anger we feel towards the situation. Now, to further expand on that, me personally, people always show my responses in these situations what they don't show is what I'm responding to and how long it took for me to get to that point of irritation to respond that way. People forget that I am not pretending to be this uber clean, clean cut guy. I am a stand up comic that does a bit of activism because I have to do it. Whereas a lot of the time, the people who are saying these things to me are people who present themselves as super religious people that don't swear and whatever. I mean, at the end of the day, how many people have threatened to rape your wife and kids? None. Yeah, for me, I've lost count, right? If And the thing is, I've been talking about this for over 12 years. There's a whole body of work. You know, anybody that follows me online can see there's a whole body of work. And my initial videos, my initial statuses, all the things that I've done have never been rude. They've never been aggressive. They were very, very friendly in their approach. Majority of the time I have discourse with people, I start off being as respectful as possible because I believe that is the best way to start a conversation. But despite that, we still get hammered with abuse. When I just used to talk about these issues, you know, lightly, I used to get, my inbox, I don't even check it. I get sent so much vile stuff, including threats of a sexual nature towards my family members, just for mentioning that certain things exist. Now, I'm one man, I'm not supported by any organization, uh, you know, and at the time when I used to talk about these things, it wasn't cool. It wasn't something that was supported. ITV, BBC, all these people, all these companies did not care about black lives. I started talking about these issues before Black Lives Matter as a company or an organization or even as a slogan existed. And just for discussing these things, I would get hit with abuse, abuse, abuse. And you know what? I lost my temper sometimes and I responded. People are showing screenshots of things I've said. I think in total, there's about five or six. I've been talking about these things for 12 years and the best thing you can show to prove that I am so bad and so racist is five or six screenshots taken out of context 
the newest of which is from like seven or six years ago or five years ago. I think that in itself speaks for itself. The fact that people have held screenshots for this long to try and use it as a way to discredit me also speaks about the volume of hate I receive simply for shining a light on the kind of plight that my people suffer. You know, there's nobody that gets as much abuse as a black person that's trying to discuss black issues. It does not happen. Um, you know, I, I think another thing we need to do is look at this. The majority of the people who are saying these things about me, look at the other kind of things that they say. One of my biggest critics, I'm not going to name him because I don't want to give him traffic. One of my biggest critics recently posted uh, something about black children and abortion and he's laughing at it. These are the kind of people, these are the, the, the people who are against me, the kind of people who also are against discussing anti-blackness. And many of them have been uh, exposed as perverts and rapists, I'm sorry, and racists and things like that, rape apologists as well. So look at the kind of person that does not like me. That in itself, to me, validates my struggle and the things I'm talking about. But yeah, I'm only one man and I've never claimed to be perfect. I will respond angrily. I mean, let me ask you this. If somebody said those things to me in person, what do you think I would do? No, in fact, let's put it this way. If somebody said to you, to your face, talked about raping your kids and your wife and made insults about your, your culture and, 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 your, and, your, and your faith, called you a kafir, all these things to your face, how would you respond? It wouldn't be pretty. Like I, I, There you it- go. I, I think what, what's interesting, and, and obviously, you know, we've we've spoken quite a lot as well just over the last few months and when we've mm. been talking about this. And I think what's what's interesting, because we, if we come back to talking about this reading race into everything, um, the, the, the mm-hmm. point that we discussed previously, I feel like it, there still is this very tokenistic approach to black people in the Muslim community, especially in the UK. Yeah. So, so some of the stories and the horror stories you've told me about, like, T- turning up to a gala dinner and 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 the way that people will speak to you and the terms they'll use to refer to you as um, racist terms and they'll make jokes and and whatever and they think oh you're a comedian so it's kind of okay but they don't appreciate that all they're doing is like just being deeply insensitive and racist um, and, and and genuinely the the fact that you've walked away from so many of those um, situations without losing your cool and without um, uh, causing a huge scene in that sense and you know not wanting to kind of um, ruin things for everyone else let's say I think that in itself shows a lot to me about you if you know what I mean um, I'll I know be honest that, with you I would no. have reacted differently if we were somewhere and there's no camera or we were in a less public place and not like a fancy gala dinner but the reality is this I know that if I react a certain way in these kind of places Mm. I ruin things not just and this is the how racist the Muslim community in the UK is if like for example at the Islam Channel um, Islam Channel Business Awards a man walked up to me and said oh so uh, can I call you the big nigger right that's, that's what he said to me and he was an old man and honestly I had my left hand cocked but instead before hitting him I, I held myself and I said something to him I said a few things to him and he, he got a bit scared and I was backing away. And people still looked at me like I was the problem, right? People still looked at me like I was the problem. Or even more recently, there was uh, an event and a very known uh, fundraiser, uh, you know, who I've been on tour with as well. He saw me as, like, oh, can I introduce you as the big caller from Muslims Like Us? And that turned into something. And I ended up shoving him 
a little bit and then people came between us and were talking to you know they were still trying to make out that i was the problem but this guy just says and then it comes out a few years later that he's even on the islam channel he had a group of black brothers that were he was going to be interviewing and he said oh look at them it looks like they're from crime watch you know and this now got shown all over twitter if i had you know, this is a pattern of behavior. Whether or not he apologized, it is a pattern of behavior. Now, if that had not been caught on camera, people will say it's a lie. Just like this boob grace thing that happened, right? There is an unhealthy culture of misogyny and racism and even perversion within these circles. And a lot of the time, the, the people that do these things and are used to getting away with it are South Asian and Middle Eastern men because there's already a culture of sweeping things under the rug among these people, unfortunately, right? All kinds of problems. Even, even when it comes to not doing the job properly, there's that culture in Muslim-majority countries. You don't say anything to that person. You just sweep it under the rug. And because I speak out about these things, people see me as a troublemaker because what people are used to is just keeping quiet and allowing these things to slide. But times are changing, man. And you still didn't answer my question. What I'm saying is if somebody said that your children are going to be born looking a certain way. That's bad because your wife is a different race of race from you, which she is. In fact, much like myself, you're much, you're darker skinned than your missus. I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Now, if people came and started bringing that shade, this Tony scrap to you and your wife and your kid, how would you react if someone did it to your face? I, I honestly don't know how I'd react. If someone called your wife a nigger lover, how would you react? Huh? Not well, but like I, I don't know what I would Answer do. me. I, I, the thing is, about I haven't I'll been in be that honest. situation. I haven't been in that situation, so I okay. don't know what I would do. Well, and this you know, is the, the kind thing of is, stuff. Look, if, if we're talking about me personally, you know, my approach to situations and circumstances is probably different to yours. But even then, you're a man. You're a red-blooded man, and the fact that you're stumbling to give an appropriate answer to mm. me says it all. I know exactly what you would do, what any man would do if someone said something like that about your wife and kids to your face. Now, imagine receiving that sort of abuse on a daily, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating, on a daily or at least every week in your inbox, on your Twitter, your Instagram, your Facebook, even when you've done nothing wrong. And, and a lot of the time, it is the case. I don't go out of my way and look for trouble. People will see me and start attacking me because of what I talk about. Mm. And after a while, like I said, I'm not an imam. I'm not a daddy. I, I'm not any of these things. I've never claimed to be squeaky clean. I've always said it. I'm a guy. I've got a quick temper, you know? So when people say these things to me, I respond. And if these people are honest, they should show the full story of how these conversations reach where they are. I've had people go out of their way to restart two-year-old arguments with me. And then when I respond in kind, they then delete their comments and then send screenshots everywhere. Like, oh, look what he said to me for no reason. And that's the reason why these people's attempts to try and stop me from uh, getting bigger platforms or doing it never works it never works because you know i just feel you cannot people most people who see me know the kind of guy i am and they know what i stand for in fact even people that see your screen trust most of them are like okay but what was he responding to because they know people know who i am and there's a whole body of work 12 years of videos articles you know statuses podcast appearance tv appearances they all tell a story and i'm consistent i've never changed I've never changed. This is what I'm like. And I'm telling you, to, you know, even though it's been a long time since I've got, because I don't get to arguments anymore. But I guarantee you, you know, if you meet me in person, I'm the same way in person as I am online. 
I react things the exact same way. So, you know, these people are hypocrites. Many of them that are saying these things that, oh, you shouldn't be mean. How would they react if someone did the same thing to them? You know, I've said things that made people angry and they're saying, oh, they're going to threaten me with violence. If you can understand how maybe I can say something that makes you so angry, you want to fight me. Why can't you understand that maybe you could say something so offensive to me that I might react by cussing out your mom? What's, what's so hard to understand there? And like I said, I'm not an imam, I'm a stand-up man. Next question. <laughs> All right, um, so, so the, the, there's two more things. I think the first one is just about the police. Um, so, mm. so people talking about the fact that police, all police aren't bad. Um, you know, there are a few police officers that have done this. There are black police officers. There are people, of, police officers who are people of color who also, <laughs> you can't make faces at me when I'm doing this. That doesn't show up. Only I can see you making that face and it's just difficult to concentrate. Oh, great. All right, carry on. So I'll just look away then. Um, <laughs> okay, go on. on. The, no, the, the point is that, that th there are police officers. Oh God. All right. You know what I'm saying? Answer the question. <laughs> Give up. <laughs> Dealing with a child here. Uh, not all police are bad. That's just stupid. Um, not all police are No, but are the, the, the fact that... Because even when you look at the imagery around what's happening in America, there are... there are. I've seen a shot of a, um, a police officer that was separated from his um, group or whatever they're called. And, and uh, uh, there was a chain of black men linking arms to protect him from violence from protesters. Yeah, I mean, there's there's protesters who I've have like seen that. given water seen, bottles to to police officers and saying, look, we're not all bad people. I whatever. Mean, How I mean, look, all that symbolic crap is great, but my thing is this: we're talking about the institution, right? Yeah. So it's like not all police officers are bad. Okay, so what are the the good police officers doing? Where are they when these bad ones are going out here killing people? When these bad ones are out here planting evidence on people? Where, where are the good police officers to stop it? And this is the thing about minority and majority. Just because somebody is the minority doesn't mean they're not a problem. 30, only 30, 36% of Germans voted for the NSDAP, who then became the Nazi party, right? You saw how much damage the Nazis did. Well, we, we've seen how much damage the Nazis did. So just because it's a minority doesn't mean that they're not a problem and we can't speak of them. Nazis are still a very German problem. They came from Germany, right? The German people allowed that to happen. Not mm -hmm. enough people spoke up. A minority, a tumor, it only makes up a small part of your body, but it can still kill you, right? These, these things need to be treated very seriously because at the end of the day, a minority is very dangerous if the majority keep quiet. A minority is very, I'll say again, a minority is very dangerous if the majority keep quiet. If you're inactive, then you might as well be part of that minority that's dangerous. And the thing is, I don't believe that it's a minority. Because at the end of the day, what people fail to understand, and this is across the board, in, the people who tampered with evidence for the Stephen Lawrence case, majority of them were promoted to higher ranks in the police. Many of them then went on to train other police officers. Now, when you look at America, there are loads of pictures where you see somebody being lynched. I don't think people understand what lynching is. They have their clothes ripped off their body. Their intestines cut off. They're, in, they're, 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 they're castrated. They're set on fire. They're hung. And they're chopped up. And then sometimes white people at that time would take their skin and make souvenirs out of it. That's what was being done to black people in America. They weren't just being hung. 
And this continued, because a lot of people say, oh, but it was a long time ago. No, this continued. You know, somebody even got lynched last year. These things still happen. This continued for a very, very, very long time. But if you look at the old pictures of the people who do the lynching and things like that, if you look at the pictures, there's always children in the background laughing and smiling. And that in itself is very disturbing. Because think about how tro- how messed up. My, my daughter gets sad when she sees someone fall down, right? My daughter, my children get sad when they see somebody get hurt. But these people were able to watch a human being get m- murdered brutally as children. They, they were able to watch that and smile while they have a picnic. They used to have picnic picnics comes- there, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The word picnic comes from pick a nigger. That's what they would do. Off the cotton fields, they would pick a nigger and then they would lynch him. That's where picnic comes from, right? They would sit down and they would watch somebody get tortured for over a period of an hour and then killed in the most brutal way possible while they were eating sandwiches. And the pictures still exist on postcards. If you go online, you can still find images of people. Now, those people never got sent to prison. Nazis got sent to prison, most of them, a lot of them escaped Argentina, where they built their own communities and so on. But these people in America who lynched black people went on to, be, to do their day jobs as police chiefs, mayors, policy makers. Their children were then born into p- positions of privilege. Their children raised children. Those people, those children you see in, in the pictures where people are being lynched are people's grandparents and parents. Some of them are still in office now, right? The Ku Klux Klan was never criminalized in America. Only recently have certain far-right groups been criminalized here in the UK. The people that went into Africa and Asia and colonized us and murdered us, starved 2 million people to death in the Bengal. These people did not go to prison. They came back here and they occupied office and they raised children who may, have, who may be raising children now. And that's how this continues. That's how this continues. Mm. It's an ongoing problem. Oh, you know, it's not about, oh, if there's one black police officer, right, he still has to answer to his white boss, his white partner. And the, the whole board of people that are in charge of investigating police are probably white majority. And many of those races have infiltrated all these things. So sometimes, you know, even when you see a black officer, you need to be more scared because what did he have to do to prove his loyalty to the people around him? It's still institutional racism. Mm -hmm. Because when that Somali officer killed a white woman by mistake, immediately he went to jail. But Trayvon Martin's killer is writing books and selling merchandise, making fun of the death of Trayvon. You know? So it's like, it's almost the same as me saying, oh, but in the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan... The, a lot of the soldiers, you know, cause I saw some idiot, uh, post something about, oh, 20% of the American army is black. Uh, and all oh, oh, black soldiers did this and that in Iraq and Afghanistan. Those black soldiers don't make up to 1% of the black American population in America. So they're not even the majority. They're a small minority. One. Two. Majority of these wars fought in the Middle East and Asia where Americans have invaded people. It was those same people that gave them the opportunity to do that are not how many of these Arab countries, you know, have bases right now for America to attack other countries from? Is it not, is it, is it, even the allied forces in these regions, like Afghanistan, who, how did the Americans find out about the terrain in Afghanistan when they were fighting their wars? Who taught them the national language? Who, who explored the mountains with them? Even in Pakistan, where they went to, 
who showed them where where Abotabad is. Who, at the end of the day, the, most of the allies who outnumber the black soldiers, because when the Americans leave, they take over. Most of the allied troops that help Americans when they invade these countries are from those lands, which is Afghanistan, Iraq, and so on. So even using that, does that still take away from the fact that it's imperialism? No, it does not. It's still imperialism. It's still white supremacy. So again, you know, majority of Americans did not support the war. Majority did not. The war still happened. But it's the minority. Because it's, it's, a, it's a systemic issue. Mm. The country was built on bloodshed and war. Their national yeah. anthem is about explosions and rockets, for God's sake. How much more violent can you be, right? So when we talk about racist institutions, look, the average white man walking down the street is not a racist per se, or he's not heavily prejudiced. He doesn't want to kill me, but he's indifferent to my death and he enjoys white privilege. Whereas the institution wants to kill me. The institution is the reason why I'm less likely to be given treatment if I catch corona. The in- people have to understand this. The institution is white supremacy. White people as a whole may not be that racist. They're not voting for BMP. They're not voting for the EDL. They've started voting conservative, but even then, there's a lot of them that aren't happy, you know? But at the end of the day, it's still a minority of people causing all this damage because the majority of people won't say anything because they're comfortable. The average white person is not as hard hit by the conservative government as the average black or brown person is. So they won't fight as hard. So you may not be a racist, for example, but anti-blackness in the family doesn't hit you as hard. So you don't really check it. You're like, yeah, but most, we're not all like that. Yeah. We're not all. And I hate that not all. Not all is such an annoying. Don't you hate it when people come say, oh, not all, not all white people are bad. <laughs> not all. Don't you hate that? But you, you know what that is though? That, that's like not understanding. So you know when you talk about, or when we talk about structural racism and oppression and whatever else, when you talk about white supremacy, as you say, like not all white people are bad. Yes, correct. But white supremacy is a problem and it's prevalent in our society. Exactly. That, that's the simple, mean, it, it's, not, it's not rocket science. I think just in the interest of time, the last, the last point um, I want to... Not all bring, dogs bite. Not all sunny days <laughs> are warm. Not all grass is green. Sounds like you're writing you know, a song or a poem right now. Yeah, man. Not all. That's the dumbest argument ever. You know, not all anything is anything. From a logical standpoint, nothing can be uniform. Nothing. You know, so like not all, not, not all German people speak German. I, I just don't. It's such a cop out when people say that in a debate. Really yeah. irritates me. You got another phone call coming in. Yeah, I just cancelled it. Really irritates me when people do all that. Not all nonsense, man. You know, they're basically saying I don't have a refutation. I don't have a point, but I don't like what you're saying. That's basically what it means. Um. The next one is, uh, I think, a bit of a, a deflection when it comes to talking about the issue. Um, and, and it's just very simply, what about black-on-black crime? What about black-on-black crime? Um, I think that people who say this don't understand, one, uh, black-on-black crime is committed by criminals, right? We're protesting the murder of black people in the hands of authority who are not being held accountable. Majority of the people being killed, like, for example, George Floyd had not com- really committed a crime. There's no proof he committed a crime. Um, you know, there was a, there's a rumor that he had some drugs in his system, but even that's been debunked. And even then, that's not punishable by death. So people say, what about black on black crime? What about it? Also, even the term black on black crime is born out of racism because 
we all know anybody, any criminologist, criminologist will tell you that the majority of people will commit crimes against people of their own uh, ethnic background because they will live closer to people of their own ethnic background. The majority of serial killers kill people of their own, and the majority of serial killers are white, of course, uh, and they tend to kill only white people, white women specifically. World War II can be classed as white on white crime, can't it? It killed millions of each other. Every day when, when you hear there's a murder and somebody dies, most likely it's somebody of that same person's ethnicity that killed them. When Asians kill each other, they call it honor killing. But when white people call it, you know, kill each other, there's no name for that. How come? Mm-hmm. You know, so the black on black crime argument is stupid because we're holding um, people who are in a position of authority. We're holding them to the standard as crim- of criminals. We're also, by legitimizing the murder of people in the hands of authority, where more often than not, no violence was needed. You know, Tamir Rice was running. You know, um, um, uh, the, the, the gentleman that just got killed, George Floyd, had a knee on his neck while he was already handcuffed and wasn't struggling. He wasn't actually struggling. There's yeah. so many other examples. Sandra Bland was killed in custody. Why? 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 What does black on black crime have to do with that? What about white on white crime? You know? Why on white crime? It's hilarious because a white boy will go and, and gun down 30 or... The only time a white mass shooter ever ever gets killed is when they kill other white people. Dylan Roof shot nine people, but they were black. The police took him in alive. But those boys, you know, that, 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 that did the Columbine shooting got gunned down. Or they'll turn their guns on each other. It's, it's very strange. It's very, very strange. Breivik shot over 100 people and they, they, they found a way to take him in alive. But whenever it's somebody that's of ethnic minority that goes and kills a bunch of people, they always end up killing him, even if he's unarmed, even if they've disarmed him. Mm. You know, so I don't like that black on black crime. It's a very stupid term. You know, I don't know why, because ra- crime is always racialized when it's black people. For example, black people are stopped, um, you know, 36 times more often than white people, three times more often than three or four times more often than uh, Asian people and, and Arab people because of drugs yet drug usage is actually recorded to be equal in black and white communities so it's like people say black on black crime they racialize crime just because they want an excuse to harass um to harass ethnic minority communities more than they police their own you know we've we've heard of situations where white boys have been caught with cocaine on them and left to go scot-free or white people have been dealing things like crystal meth and not sent to prison because the judge feels that, oh, they, they, they're a nice person and they won't fare well. They have a bright not... future. They, you know, I've, heard, yeah. I've heard stuff like, oh, you have a bright future ahead of you. Yeah, um, in the last couple of years, four, exactly, four white rapists have been released um, um, without a custodial sentence because they felt that, oh, this was an oversight or they have a bright future ahead of them or they won't do well in prison. Mm. But a young uh, a black woman will get thrown to the floor by police because someone accused her of taking something out of a shop. And then if she struggles and protests, if she doesn't get beaten up badly, she'll then end up going to prison for resisting arrest. And then when you find the, the, the thing that they were arresting her for the first place, she, she, was, she was not guilty of. You know, so the black on black crime is, is that lightweight, you know, stupid response. There's one more here that I, I personally haven't seen or heard, but, but you, mm-hmm. you added it to the list, so I'll, I'll go for it. Um, and you said mm-hmm. that black people should focus on Africa. There are black people dying of starvation there. Have you seen? Have you heard that someone said that to you? Yeah, again, you know who you know the kind of people that say these things. You know who it is. Yeah, only one community says stupid things like this, 
It's like, you know, statistics prove that Nigerians send the most money out of this country than anybody else. And we don't have any massive organizations or charities. In fact, Africans send so much money back home that an MP in Ireland was saying that they need to ban uh, or put a cap on the amount of money that Africans can send to Africa. So we are developing Africa. The problem is this. The issues in Africa are directly affected by the politicians here. Because if tomorrow an African politician decides that he doesn't like the trade deals or the banking system that has been forced on us through colonization, what happens? I mean, you saw what they did to Gaddafi, right? You know, the CIA um, uh, and what do you call it, um, MI5, they all have blood on their hands in terms of things that they've done to different African rulers, such as Patrice Lumumba, who was murdered simply because he spoke out about the, the extortionate money that Congolese people had to pay to the Belgians, particularly King Leopold, despite all the bloodshed that he had caused in their land. And for that, not only did they depose him, um, they killed him, they burnt his body, and then they melted it in acid, but they kept his gold teeth. You know, the, people have to understand that up till today, Haiti is still paying an inflated tax that has crippled their economy to France. And the reason they're paying this tax to France is because they are making up for taking away the slave colony from France. And that tax is still being paid to this day. You know, and, and a lot of the com- countries that are in Africa are also being forced to pay these crippling... Um, pay, imagine paying people for the loss that we caused them by kicking them out of, a, of, their con- of our countries when they colonized us. You know, so when they say go to Africa, yeah, I'd happily go back to Africa if we didn't have the problems in Africa in the first place. The main reason that um, a lot of us here are in, are in the UK, most of our parents, if you're not, uh, you know, most of our parents living here came to the UK as economic uh, migrants because a lot of our country's infrastructure was destroyed through colonialism. So we had to come here and they only allowed us to come here because we were cheap labor. You know, so when they say uh, focus on Africa, it's like, okay, wh- wh- why is it, wh- wh- what about African-Americans? who don't have any direct ties to Africa now because their their identity has been stripped from them. Yeah. What are they supposed Possibly to do? Possibly as well, yeah. Yeah, Afro-Brazilians, what are they supposed to do? What are Haitians supposed to do? What are Surinamese supposed to do? What are all these people supposed to do? You know? And even right now, with me and you are using a cell phone, uh, using cell phone technology and laptop technology, the coltan that's in our phones, the metal that is used, where do you think it comes from? Congo. Congo and 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 it's it's being forced out of these lands. Why do you think these wars keep going? Who do you think sponsors these wars? Destabilizes government so that they can continue to plunder and loot the resources that that they take. People only started speaking out about imperialism when Iraq and 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 these places were being invaded for oil. But Africa has been getting looted for longer than that. So you know, yeah, I want to focus on Africa, but first. I think I have a right to complain about here because black people built this country, black people built America, and we built France too. You're all welcome. So I think it's only fair that we demand our rights here. And as a British citizen, I have a right to protest. Um, all right, there's, there's two more. We'll start okay. with uh, supremacy. So 
essentially this is this is the notion of and, and, and you have some like like we've discussed the fact and you've said that you're a more mild voice on the spectrum when it comes to talking about um, mm-hmm. the black struggle and and mm-hmm. race relations and everything else believe it or not yeah believe it or not um and, and you sent me some some interesting um footage of, Khalid of and, <laughs> and 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 so the the argument here is that you can't fight uh white supremacy with black supremacy supremacy it's just as bad and and essentially we're all equal and, and i think and maybe this is something that we can kind of discuss and explore further in like another episode but when you look back at um, you know, throughout the life of Malcolm X and and his kind of origins um, and the Nation of Islam and Black Panthers and all of this stuff, a lot of the rhetoric seems to be positioning black people above other races um, and, and, and empowering from, from kind of that perspective, which I think for some people is problematic because it's the same as white supremacy, but just the other way around. It's not the same with white supremacy. How many people did the Black Panthers lynch? None, I'm guessing. How many people did the Nation of Islam lynch? None. How many people have the Huey P. Newton Gun Club been in, involved in the murder of? But sorry, sorry, if I can just jump in the argument, the argument counter to this. No, is what I'm saying because... when people say it's, if it's the same as white supremacy, yeah, and that means it's as dangerous as white supremacy. So but, name but the, the countries... argument would be the argument would be that if they were the dominant um, force, but then we they, have they... been the dominant force before. Africa was the center of learning before, before, um, before when the Europeans still lived in caves, when Europeans still ate pr- practically raw meat, only bathed twice a day. Africans were circumna- circumnavigating the world. Africa has been doing, Nigeria specifically was doing trade with what we now know as France for over a thousand years. Do you know that? Did you know that? No. Musa Mansa traveled across the world. Musa Mansa traveled even the Americas. Didn't enslave anybody. Didn't harm anybody. So it's like when they say if the roles were reversed. If the roles were reversed, we already have proof that that would not be the case. Because when, like I, like I mentioned, most South Asians living in uh, East Africa and Southern Africa, they came there as indentured laborers. And they were given um, benefits over black people by colonialists, by the colonizers. With the exception of Uganda, the majority of South Asians still retain all their wealth after white people left because black people didn't go out exterminating them. There's never been, and in fact, anywhere you see what you class as a black supremacist, it's always a direct response to persecution and murder. And they always pop up as self-defense. And they're always misconstrued as, as, as black supremacists or violent or anti. Being pro-black doesn't mean being anti-anybody. For example, you look at South Africa now, people like Malema, they call him a black supremacist. What makes him a black supremacist? Is a pro-Palestinian um, uh, demonstrator an Arab supremacist? If you say somebody took land from you and you want your land back, is that being a supremacist? 90% of Africa's wealth, South Africa's wealth, is controlled by a small minority of people in that country. And they gained it through invasion, murder, and plundering. And people are standing up saying, look, we want power back. We want empowerment. That's where the term black power comes from. The black power movement, the black panthers delivered food. The, the benefit system of America now is based on what the black panthers did. And they went to impoverish white neighborhoods, Latino neighborhoods, as well as black neighborhoods and help people. There has never been a group of black people that went around killing people just because they're white. There have been people who retaliate 
There have been people who've defended black people, but black supremacy, like you've ne- there's no such, like for example, Nigeria, we never had apartheid, right? Once we kicked the British out, Nigeria is the control of the country. Although we're still affected by colonialists indirectly through the banking system and whatnot. But there is no black supremacist movement in Nigeria. You know why? Because we don't have an apartheid system or inequality. You have as much rights as me in Nigeria. Lebanese people have been living in Nigeria and they flourished. Nobody comes and, and attacks them and takes away their business. The first time any ethnicities have ever been targeted in Nigeria was this year after what was being done to West Africans in China, where we were, Nigerians were paying seven months rent in advance to live somewhere and the Chinese would kick them out of their buildings claiming that Africans have Corona. Did you know about this? No. Did you get the news about this? McDonald's and things like that in China were putting up signs saying that we are not serving black people. Majority of black people in China are Nigerian. So Nigerians got angry because Nigerians are also being detained. Nigerians were being killed. Nigerians were being experimented on. Nigerians were having our organs harvested in China, all under the guise of this corona nonsense. And one mob went and burnt down one Chinese factory. Compare that to what other cultures are doing. Across the Arab world, are are black people not being persecuted? Across the Asian world, are, are black people not being persecuted, murdered without any justice? But you will never see black people doing that to anyone else. In fact, South Asians still to this day will migrate to Africa and live there. Why didn't South Asians go to China? Look at how um, South Asians living in the Arabian Peninsula and the Gulf are treated. Look how Indians, Bengalis, Pakistanis are treated in Dubai, Qatar and all these places. Treated as second class citizens and compare that to the welcome the Africans gave you in our lands. Same thing in the Caribbean. You know, you cannot say that black people would do the same because our culture and our history shows even our culture itself, it's not exclusive. There's Indian guys that can rap black people by their record. If you do a video tomorrow doing an African dance or whatnot, Africans will be the ones to share it and nobody will leave racist comments in the video. But look at how Bollywood portrays black people. Look at how Hollywood, Hollywood, for example, the first Hollywood movie ever shown was used to put a bit of propaganda across. The first ever Hollywood picture was shown in the White House and it was called Birth of a Nation. And that's where the majority of negative stereotypes of black people exist. And it was funded by the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah? They're, they they used all the things like watermelon, fried chicken, black people dancing, sambos, coons. That all came mainly from that movie. And you find that those people now, the people that made that movie are still in existence, the KKK. But the Black Panthers are illegal. Many Black Panthers are still in jail now. Now, if Black Panthers were such supremacists and racists, right? Why did Algeria fund them? Algeria and many countries in North Africa, they, their struggle for independence was aided by black people, namely Franz Fanon, who was a black, uh, he was a French Caribbean, um, person who, who, who joined the French army, learned their tactics, learned, trained, and then went to Algeria and other North African countries and helped people learn to fight. He helped them in their struggle, and that's why he's given a martyr's grave in Algeria. They even gave him an honorary Arabic name, even though he wasn't an Arab. So if these black empowerment movements are so racist, then why do they always ensure that they benefit everybody? You know, when we say black power, we mean power to we mean empower black people. Why? Because things have been taken. And this the last point I want to make is this. If if you're gonna have a bunch of people race and somebody is starting from further back. Right? You're giving a head start to everyone else. Who needs the most help? The one at the back. Is, 
Okay, so if people have been stripped of identity, stripped of culture, stripped of wealth, they're being tortured, they're being killed, then surely what you want is you want to empower those people. That's where black power comes from. White power and black power have never been the same thing. White po- the people that shout white power, yeah, these, these people, what are they suffering from? They, they're just not happy to even see us exist. They want us killed. They want us lynched. The people that say white power, look at the kind of things that they do. You only see white people among them. Whereas when you look at black power, you look at these black power groups, you look into them, a lot of their members are Mexican. A lot of their members are Indian. They, they allow other people. In fact, the downfall of the Black Panther movement through COINTELPRO was that they allowed an Asian guy in and he ended up being a CIA spy. So not only are black people not racist, sometimes it, it would even help them to be a bit more racist because we allow everybody in. All right, and, and, and the, last, uh, the last point, and I think this is something interesting because I've seen it personally. There was a, a video of a, 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 black, a black sheikh talking about discrimination that he's faced in the UK amongst different communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he was pointing fingers at um, various different races, saying you know, th- he's experienced racism at the hands of these people. But also because he's a sheikh, he receives certain privileges that, his, um, that, that fellow black people wouldn't, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, this caused a lot of conversation in the community, specifically in the communities that he kind of um, serves. But mm-hmm. um, the response was really interesting. And I heard the same response very many times where people said, oh, you know, yeah, we agree with him. Like, he's got a very good point. But why why didn't he also talk about racism in the black community? Like, he should have addressed that as well, not just pointing the finger at everybody else. Where is it? Where, where is that racism? But, but Someone I, I, to me. I think the argument is that um, you probably can't deny that there is racism within every community. Or, Again, do, or do, I, do you I not think, believe that a I single think, black person is racist, for example? There are black people with prejudices and so on, yes. But at yeah. the same time, it's like, if a white person said that to you now, would you not laugh at them? When you talk about... Everything exists everywhere. So, for example, I'm a Nigerian, right? I'm honest about my people's problems. Fraud is a very big problem in Nigeria. If somebody sends you an email from so Nigeria... That's not just a nasty stereotype. That's, that's real. The reality is, you know, it, it's not as common now um, yeah. and whatnot. But Nigeria is corrupt. Police officers take bribes. Uh, politicians inflate contracts to make money for themselves. It's a thing. It's part of our culture, Right. But, you know, I don't assume every Nigerian I meet is a fraudster. However, within Nigeria, you have to be careful doing business because there's so many crazy things that happen there. It's almost a subculture. I have no problem acknowledging that. But when you talk about, oh, but what about the racism among black people? I mean, do you remember that story of that Nigerian man that killed his daughter because she married an Indian? Do you remember the story? I don't know. Neither do I, because it never happened. (laughs) You know, we've got the, do you know where the biggest collection of Lebanese people outside of Lebanon is? I thought it was Brazil. No, West Africa. Ivory Coast. Yes, Ivory Coast. I might want to fight you on that one. Yeah, the biggest, as as far as I know, the Ivory Coast took in the most refugees from Lebanon when they were having their problems. Fair enough. I know know there's a a huge, uh, Lebanese population in in Sao Paulo as well specifically but in yeah. in uh, but uh, across Brazil. across Nigeria Ghana 
Ivory Coast, there are Lebanese people, right? Have you ever seen outcry online that they're being treated badly? I did see a uh, Lebanese Lives Matter poster online. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, but where were they saying it from? Somewhere in Beirut. Okay. Was it in Nigeria? Was it in Africa? No. No. Was it in Brazil? No. Why? Because the people they're surrounded by around there have accepted them. We don't kill them. We don't harm them. But there has been out recently about the murder of blacks, black uh, maids and servants in Lebanon, which never gets investigated. Mm. That is but the thing. You, you, you're, you're... So I think the, the point that people... I'm are... talking about systemic problems. This, this is what I'm trying to say. Mm. People will always have their opinions and pe- there will always be some degrees of racism yes. among people. But when you want to talk about on a macro level where it's affecting Mm. the way people live, black people have never been involved in that. And the only time you ever see persecution among black people is when it's a direct result of persecution. So, for example, in yeah, for example, in Rwanda, you had two tribes that lived with each other and one had more aquiline features like they look more similar to Somalis and the other group looked more Bantu like me. The, the ones that looked more um, aquiline or European or aesthetically pleasing to European beauty standards, when the Belgians came, it's always the flipping Belgians, isn't it? When the Belgians came, they convinced the ones that looked more um, habashi, you know, European-y, right? They convinced them that they were superior to the more Bantu-looking people, yeah. right? And they gave them more power and more resources than the more Bantu-looking people. And like I said, this is what they do. They create buffers. They make an artificially created middle class. So that when they leave, what happens? There was an election and the more Bantu looking people were pretty sure that their guy had won. But once again, they got screwed out of it. And, you know, all that systemic oppression and whatnot took its toll. And the people who were Bantu flipped out. They absolutely flipped out. And they began to persecute the ruling class people, yeah, who were a different tribe, a different ethnicity. But the reason that power imbalance existed in the first place was down to the intervention of Europeans. Because before that, these people didn't even know they were different. They lived happily side by side. You know? So that being said, if you go across, like, Africa now, you'll have tribalism where people think, "I'm, I'm the best. Or in fact, like Nigeria and Ghana, we run jokes on each other all the time. We run jokes on each other all the time. But it's not racism, it's rivalry. I don't feel uncomfortable when I'm in a Ghanaian shop. You know, I don't feel... When Nigeria isn't playing football and Ghana is playing, I, I support Ghana. But when you see issues of racism, let's look at when East Pakistan had a war with West Pakistan and then became Bangladesh. These people were heavily persecuted. And to this day, Asians who are darker skinned are laughed and called Bengali. That's racism. That, that is toxic. That, that is vicious. And it's rooted. People still haven't gone to prison for the war crimes they committed against Bengalis. You see what I'm saying? The same thing with when you look at what happens in Tunisia or to black Tunisians, dark-skinned Tunisians, or what's happening in Libya now where black people are being sold as slaves. And no, they were not all Gaddafi's. People keep on making this excuse that they were all Gaddafi's mercenaries. That's nonsense. These people, a lot of them were working normal jobs, but there's anti-blackness in these parts of the world. It's severe racism. 
But when they say focus on the racism of, 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 of black people, Ghana gave land for black Americans to move. You know, these people that say these things have never researched anything. What about, oh yeah, one time a black man said this to me. Yeah, but that's not, after everything we've discussed, we can't compare the two. We can't. That's like men that say, oh, women hit men too. Or, oh, women rape men too. I mean, I'm sure it's happened. I'm not sure how. I'd be interested to know how. But it's not the same. It's not the same level when you compare the abuse leveled from men to women. Same thing. Uh, that's that's the end of the list. I've I've, I've checked off everything. Um, <laughs> quite quite something there. Um, yeah. Thank you very much, Nabil, for addressing all those things. Um, what can I say except you're welcome, <laughs> Moana? Well, that's good, and um, the kids are now here. My my children are here, so I think I have to go now. Uh, I have daddy duties. Well, I just want to say to everyone that has uh, been sharing it, thank you very much. And, uh, you know, um, I hope this clarifies things. I know, to be honest with you, this, this is going to be more for the fence sitters than the people actually asking the questions. Most of the people that ask these questions already know that they're wrong. They just don't like to hear us speak about these things. Uh, also, just one final note. People that have uh, enjoyed listening, do subscribe. Uh, give us a five-star rating wherever you're listening and everything else. Please. Um, and, and do share it. And, and I think, Nabil, I, I don't know, uh, you, I've heard you say it a few times. You like saying each one, teach one. Um, I, That's I think right. it's not about it's not about quantity for us. It's about quality. So if people are really engaging, right. and we saw on the last episode, people are listening as much like to the end most people are listening to the whole podcast i think that's the important thing but then go on and share it and, and get other people listening um we we want to we, i mean we, we want people to have positive conversations around these things that's why we set up this podcast in the first place absolutely so as always everybody knowledge is power each one teach one <laughs>